Finch, the Craig Rugby Podcast. I'm standing in the Liberty Stadium after a match with William Davis with the rain still teeming down as it has been all day after a great win for Connacht, 20 points to 10. Brilliant win. Uh, only won once here previously in 2015. Really good performance tonight. You can take cognizance of the fact that the Ospreys were missing a lot of players. 19 mm. players are missing with injury and away at Wales. And I think also Connacht felt they owed the Ospreys one in Wales because they came here last year to pretend against a weak Ospreys team. A very strong Connacht team that night and they played very poorly. And it's a game they still refer to. It's a game that I think stuck in Andy Friend's uh, throat, really. Uh, so they've cleared that cough this evening. Uh, took their chances well, played the conditions really well. They played proper wet weather rugby, and it was wet. It's the third game in a row in Wales. It's been played in, but this is proper monsoon stuff, but it's been raining in the other two as well. It's nearly as bad as the Scarlets. Yeah, yeah, and it's, as you say, we, we drove through it on our way here, and we're going to have to drive through it on our way back again. Yeah. And right on cue, the rain absolutely belts down. It feels as though it's going to come through the stands. But there is a maturity in this team now. They seem to be learning game by game, and you can see it right through it. And, and what really impressed me tonight was, yes, they started well, and yes, they got into a lead, but they brought a whole lot of young players off the bench, and nothing changed. They kept control of the game. Yeah, defensively they were very impressive. They, they squeezed the Ospreys, and the Ospreys made plenty of errors. Uh, they got stuck into the Ospreys' line-out. They didn't do so well at the scrum after the scrum had changed. The Ospreys did lift it up a little bit, but they always felt Connacht were in control of this game. They might be slightly frustrated that they didn't add another score or two in the second half. They had a couple of chances, but there was a, there was a calmness about this. It was a good, well-organised effort. Sam Perry throws into the line-out and he throws it straight to Alton Delan. It's fed out quickly by Connacht. They get it into midfield. It's got a little bit congested for them now. Now they've got a little bit of width on it. They've got the ball. Lovely offload up and over the halfway line. And Connacht have made good yardage there. The Ospreys quite slow to get back. They're being ripped apart here into the 22. Connacht looking for the line. Can he make the line over the line? Just tackled Daryl Leader. Pulled down metre short. Connacht driving in behind him. They're about two metres short. They've got another penalty, but they'll want something more from this. It's fed out by Farrell. Farrell feeds it back inside to Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald sniping across. He's about a metre, metre and a half short. Still playing through this penalty advantage. Connacht right on the line. Dennis Buckley is heavily involved in there, and we're going back for the penalty. And now I think he's going to have to have a chat with the Ospreys because they have given away so many penalties. And the midfield defence for the Ospreys there disappeared. It did, but it was down to fantastic play from Tom Farrell. He screamed for the ball. He wanted the ball pulled across the field because it's actually stopped raining for a couple of minutes. Um, sidestepped his man. Beautiful offload to Peter Robb, who knew what was going to happen he ran on took another offload back from Peter Robb who then fed Daryl Leader who didn't quite have the pace to get across with four Ospreys guys chasing him down um, but yeah it's a yellow card yellow card for the Ospreys and I think fully deserves that Dan Lydiot yeah that's you know slowing down the ball because Connick would have scored um, yeah fully deserved well opportunity for Connacht here they have looked as if they're going to turn down because they've got a man less in the scrum now so they're going to go for a scrum they're about three metres from the Ospreys line just to the left hand side of the post as we look Connacht playing from right to left in this first half Tom Farrell 
wasn't seen for quite a while and then he uh, rolled up last week and scored two tries that won the game it's pretty clear just watching that replay that any one of the Ospreys going into that could have been pinged Karen Marmion to feed in Marmion puts it in and Connick now try to get the squeeze on it's got a little bit confused picked up at the back by Boyle Boyle feeds it out and straight through Peter Robb is in under the post simple as you like that was just so beautiful the scrum had actually turned the wrong way ever so slightly but Boyle did brilliantly to get himself in space and he threw a couple of defenders but nobody's going to stop Peter Robb from two metres out he's a big powerful man he just went straight took a great line beautiful hands to score that try great work by Paul Boyle he had a couple of incidents in earlier games at number 8 where he struggled to pick the ball up but he knew exactly what he was doing there and Peter Robb nails it through Conor Fitzgerald doesn't waste any time getting the conversion over we are at 25 minutes Ospreys 3, Connacht 17 yeah, there we go yeah, penalty at the scrum Ospreys put in the squeeze on and I think that might be down to our friend Mafufia who's just come on and James Hook wastes no time takes the ball gets it down into the 22 over on the far side away from us and this will be an attacking line out the line out has struggled a little bit for the Ospreys we managed to see if Connacht try to contest they've been contesting most of them but they might want to try to do this on the ground here Perry throwing it in in a monsoon is the only way I can describe this raid at the moment it's gone into picked up by Lloyd Ashley took that they get the drive on but Connacht holding it up at the moment but the Ospreys really working hard now but Connacht driving them out on a cross three metres short of the Connacht line and there is a try for the Ospreys the ball broke away from the side of that rook we'll just see who it was when it's picked up and that was good work from the Ospreys they put the squeeze on there and they're back in this game now they've been showing it since half time yeah, yeah, like that, you know, their line out, when they've caught the ball, their line has been really dangerous. They've been getting the ball down and driving it really, really quickly. And they got that and they, they drove that one perfectly. Connick, it looked as though Connick might have stopped it, but they just span around the side and got that, got that over the line. I think you just heard it was Sam Perry who got the touchdown. This game is not over. The clock has hit 80 minutes. It has. This has been a hugely impressive. Oh! Oh, there's been a change. The assistant referee came in and said something happened there and clocked out. I think driving in from the side, so it's a penalty to the Ospreys. Game's not over yet. Well, that was all very peculiar because I think the Ospreys were just waiting to get off the park. James Hooks picked the ball up. He's not sure what to do. Is he going to go for a penalty and just get a losing bonus point? Is that what he's looking at? Dan Lydiot's having a long chat with him. I don't think the crowd are going to like this. And the Monsoon's back with us. So the last play of the game is going to be the Ospreys looking for a bonus point. Kick is going to be three metres inside the Connacht half, about 15 metres in from touch. Evans is on his way. He's made contact. It's, it's got a chance. It's got a chance, but it's drifted wide. It's gone. The flags show that. And the final score here in Swansea. Ospreys 10, Connacht 20. Andy, how satisfying is it to come back to Wales and get another victory and in a place where Connacht have only won once previously? 
Uh, it is pleasing, yeah. We um, we just talked about that in the change room. We we felt that uh, our first half was very clinical, put us in a really good position. Probably in the end, there we were a little bit annoyed with ourselves that we didn't didn't uh, you know really finish that second half the way we wanted to and the way we played in the first half. So at the same time, um, yeah, you can get a little bit greedy at this you know, when, when we're playing the way we're playing at the moment. But very very happy they're a good side away from home uh, to turn over. So we're happy with that. You came here with a lot of changes, changes in the starting team, changes in the pack, a lot of inexperienced players. Johnny Murphy making his debut, very inexperienced replacement front row. But everybody stood up, everybody seemed to understand exactly what they were doing and played in the conditions. Yeah, we just said, you know, with about 10 minutes to go, we looked at that front row. You've got Matt Burke, Johnny Murphy and Connor Kenny. That was the Eagles front row. And sitting behind him, you got Killian Gallagher. That was the Eagles lock. So we have got depth now. And I thought those men were brilliant. You know, Connor Kenny, his, his debut there today as well. So, um, yeah, we, we're really happy with, with the depth that's coming through. And I said to, you know, to turn up to Liberty Stadium to get the win here with those injuries that we've got is really pleasing. Peter Robb was immense as well. He's become a tackling machine. He's timing in his tackle. You know when you've been tackled by Peter Robb. And he was, got Connacht on the front foot a couple of times when it was really needed in the first half. Yeah, I, listen, he's been uh, he's been fantastic these, these opening six games, and or five games, sorry. And um, not only is he he's tackling very good, but he's, he's so powerful when he carries that football. It takes a very, very good tackle to pull him up. Scored a good try there. Um, yeah, he's and you know, touch wood, he's injury free there at the moment. And just with every game, you see the confidence growing and the timing growing. And he's a very, very, very good player. From you coming, you were here for the Scarlets game a few weeks ago in similar conditions, and Connick didn't seem to adapt to the conditions or play them properly. And coaches always talk about learnings and how they're going to improve things but there seemed to be tonight a real understanding of when to kick when to pass when to take it into contact in what were monsoon conditions again I mean it was appalling at times out there in the rain yeah it wasn't pleasant it was actually very very similar to Scarlet's you know and I said after that Scarlet's game you know I needed to take some responsibility for that because we, we probably gave the wrong game plan um, you know we got a young team there and, and if we lead them down a certain path and, and that path's not the right one at the moment it's, it's probably you know a, a big ask to ask them to change that so um but since that since that game um you know the opening game of the, of the tournament there has been a lot of learnings uh we've got young Connor Fitz there at, at number 10 he's a very smart footballer um the backfield were helping him too our nines were helping him and, and I just thought we we turned them at the appropriate times and kept the ball in behind in behind them and in front of our forwards and it was it was much better than what we saw in that open night against Scarlets. Looking ahead to Leinster coming up and you know there are a lot of injuries there. Alton Delan went off as well. So another is he okay? We'll see. It was a back spasm so we'll wait and see how he pulls up. That puts a little bit of pressure on but players have stood up there tonight and I mean there's a lot of guys that put their hand up and said pick me. And we've also got Jack Carty and Bundiaki hovering around waiting to get back in so it's a pretty good situation. Yeah, it, it's, it is a pleasing situation. Now, hopefully we've got the likes of Sean O'Brien back next week, maybe Colby Fanger as well. and um, We'll wait and see what the, the injury toll is like on Monday. But uh, as I said, we, we have got good depth. Um, I think the, the, the pleasing thing is when, when the players, uh, when we do put trust in them, they deliver for us, as we saw later night. And, and that's all you want in a squad. You want a squad where people know they're going to get their chance. And when they do get their chance, they take it. And I thought we saw that there tonight. Connor, what's the mood in the dressing room? Come here to this ground, the Liberty. Connor, they've only won here twice in 14 visits and they've turned out tonight winning 20 points to 10. Yeah, it's obviously high um, in terms of 
building for next week and uh, obviously we lost here a couple of weeks ago to Scarlet so we knew this was a massive test for us so um, spirits are high, the bodies are a bit sore but uh, we'll regroup now with a six day turnaround for Leinster and be looking at that come Monday morning. There was a lot of learnings out of the Scarlet scheme um, but it's one thing to learn them, it's one thing to put them into practice but Connacht tonight seemed to have a really good game plan for what were monsoon conditions and you were pulling all the strings in the middle there. Yeah, I think the weather was very similar to the Scarlet's game and we felt uh, we went very into our shells in that game. So it was just a matter of expressing ourselves more and not just with our half-backs, but our outside-backs talking with us and just letting us know where the space is. And when the forwards are going forward like that and when the outside-backs are telling us where the space is, it becomes a very easy game for our half-backs. You had some good go-forward ball, but you're talking about communication. There was pretty obvious... Kieran Marmy and Caelan Blade, he's organising scrum halves. They're, they're yappy fellas, that's their job. They keep keep everybody else moving. But there was real purpose when you did decide to move the ball. Yeah, like obviously having Peter Robb and Tom Farrell outside me makes it a very easy game because more often than not, Peter Robb anyway gives you go forward and with our electric battery, uh, we've no issue with going outside there if you have to go outside there. Does making the right decision and doing it the right time does, does that just come from, that's coming from playing more uh, yeah like as friendly said to us he always backs our decision so we don't really have to be hesitant in what we want to do so like if I hear something from the outside backs I back it every day and uh, if not obviously in that weather you know we don't want to play in our half so just uh, playing in the right areas and backing our decisions is the main thing yeah okay good stuff there as always from, from Andy Friend um, and good to hear young Conor Fitzgerald getting put up in, in front of everybody and I was surprised actually Peter Robb wasn't put up because he won man of the match and he was incredible. Yeah, he'd probably done a little bit of work for television, so I suppose they, they felt that was enough for him. He had a really big night, he made some big tackles, big hits. Andy Friend talking about the fact that, that he's fully fit. He obviously had a lot of fitness issues. Gives a certain dynamic in midfield. I thought Tom Farrell did some things very well. Overplayed a couple of times when he gets... He's always looking maybe for the next little thing when tonight it was about digging in. But that is part of Connacht's game they want to put pressure on they don't want to be passive mm. Conor Fitzgerald talked about that I thought Alan Clark was very honest he said the Ospreys didn't deserve anything out of this game and even though they went for a bonus point loss with a kick right at the end he said we wouldn't have deserved that uh, they're at a pretty low ebb at the moment and um, they've, you know, they've, they're waiting on a lot of players to come back but that's, that's why Connacht needed to come here tonight and get the points and get the win and they've got a very quick turnaround to Leinster on Friday night, but they can go into that with a lot of confidence. Uh, talking about Alton Delan had a back spasm, hopefully he's going to be back okay. But good news, Colby, Fianga and Sean O'Brien should be back for next week. Wow, well, like, how are they going to get into this team? Because at, at half-time, the, the stats, Danny sent me the stats, and Connacht had only missed one tackle. I mentioned it to, to the Simon, the analyst, and he went, who missed it? I don't remember that. <laughs> so, like, that was an incredible defensive display. Pete Wilkins will be really pleased. Yeah, he will be because um, it has to be said that the, the, the Ospreys didn't offer an awful lot, but you've still got to hit your men and drive them back and, and just get the seed of doubt in their head that this is not going to be their night. And they played like a side who were 1-3 and three and are now 1-4, and four, mm. whereas Connacht are not, were 3-1 and one and are now 4-1. and one. And, that, and that's just confidence and having your leaders on the pitch. You know, Lydia went off for 10 minutes in the bin at one stage. I think the captain was picked because they just kept giving away penalties. They struggled when he was off the pitch. So it's a, it's a good night's work. 
they'll have a look at it very quickly and then, you know, Friday night Leinster and then Europe and it just rolls on. But wins like this keep you buoyant and keep you driving forward. They do because you're, you're looking at six changes in the starting team, four more on the bench and it didn't make any difference. And as I say, the bench came off and, and did a lot of good things. It was great to see Robin Copeland, first time we've seen him this season. And he came on, stole a couple of line outs and made a couple of big hits and seemed to take control in, in certain situations because there were a lot of young men out there that were playing their first game, first Pro 14. It was three of them playing their first Pro 14 game as well as one uh, Connor Kenny making his debut. So, you know, I was, I was impressed with his contribution. Well, that's what you want to see. That's what he was brought in for. We just haven't seen enough of him. Uh, one line out, he just got miles in the air and slammed it back to Caelan Blade, who got good possession off it. It was their line. I mean, the, the, it's the second game in a row in Wales where Connacht have destroyed the opposition line out. Richard Hibbard, uh, ex Lion, ex Welsh player. His line-out collapsed for the, for, the, for the Dragons a couple of weeks ago. They're really going at that. They're obviously analysing, they're looking at it. But it's a vital part of the game if you can turn over opposition ball like that. Um, and that just, it, it's all part of the, uh, the way, the profile of the way the team are playing. Uh, they talk about the flow of the game has become this, this new word. But that's really what it, it, it's just putting in the doubt and making the whole thing very, very hard. Some of the body language from the Ospreys was terrible. Yeah. Players waving their arms around, standing around, one stage a player sort of throwing the ball at one of his own players, just out of frustration. But that's what happens when you lose. Mm-hmm. And you keep losing and you've lost at home and they've, they've a home match next week. I've forgotten who they're playing. Alan Clark's saying it's absolutely vital that they're going to win it. Well, I'm not so sure. He's, he's got no players coming back. Interestingly, he said the Welsh players won't be back for... Well, it was put to him that the Welsh players mightn't be back for four to six weeks. Now, that's taking them well into Europe. Mm-hmm. They're in the Champions Cup because they won the playoff against uh, the Scarlets. Two, two sides playing a playoff game at the end of last season. Neither of them looked remotely interested in winning it. Um, so it's just tough. And it's, it's interesting to see another side under pressure. Connacht have had plenty of pressure times as well, difficult times. Mm. And they know, and we know from watching them, that it's a hard old business when you're not winning. Yeah. Winning solves a lot of problems. Uh, and it was something that Pat Lamb used to talk about. Just win. Get the win. Yes, you'll have to fix things. You'll have to analyse things. There was, they'll find little things to work on. But winning covers a multitude of issues. Yeah, and they're going to come up against a winning side in Leinster who are unbeaten so far this season. And they're going to come to the sports ground full of life, having put 50 points on the Dragons. Um, should be a fascinating game. Should be a great game. Yeah, it'll be a night you'd want it to be dry so that both sides can really go at it. Um, Friday night lights, which should be really good. I, I think the Friday night atmosphere for an Inter-Pro. Leinster are a bit of a machine. They could be missing all sorts of players, but they still come out. And they came down last season in a different context and taught Connacht a lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Sexton came down and played in that game and all he wanted to do was just control the game. They won by 20 points to three. But I think Connick learned from that and they moved on because when they went up there and played them just before Christmas, they outplayed them as they've talked about it again. They For 65 minutes, they were on top in that game and then Leinster came back, cleared their bench. So I'd be really interested to see who lines out on Friday and how it goes. These Inter-Pro games are huge, Alan. We play six out of 21 games. It's a third of your season. Mm -hmm. And realistically, Connick's average is two wins out of the six games. 
And that's still an issue because if you lose four games there, which is the average, you have less room to lose other games. You need 13. We got away with 12 wins last year and a lot of bonus points to finish third this season, which is you want to win the table. You want to win the competition. You want to win the the, uh, conference. But your bottom line is finish third, get a quarterfinal, get into Europe. Well, they might need to win more than 12 games this year, and they've just got to be aware that these Interpro games are a little bit of an elephant in the room. The other thing about them is the new Ireland management starts right now. Mm-hmm. Andy Farrell is going to be watching those two Interpros at the weekend because he's got to get ready in a little over 13 weeks. He'll be setting out a team to play against Scotland in the Six Nations. So players that are on the fringe of that want to be showing in the Interpros and then in Europe, we're ready to go. And that's their, that's their shot window. It certainly is. So it'll be up to the Connacht players who have been standing up this season to really stand up against a, a top quality Leinster side. And one player that stood up tonight was, was Kieran Marmion, who had a, a massive game for 50 minutes before what looked like Ireland time, Ireland minutes that he was taken off on 50 minutes because it invariably is 50 minutes he comes off the field. But he was, he was in great form. Yeah, I think he um, perhaps... Look... The Ospreys are not an international rugby team, so let's let's not get carried away. But the performance from Marmion in the conditions, his decision making, okay, go go forward ball, pack were on top. The Ospreys were making mistakes, but he makes the right decisions, and he was sniping around the field at speed. It was just a good performance. There's a lot of talk about teams looking for him and what's going to happen to him with Ireland at the moment. I'd say that's in the background for him. He's just concentrating on Connacht. And playing rugby, because that's what these young men want to do. I'd still love to be able to play rugby, but I'm too old and too knackered at this stage to be able to do it. Um, talking about playing rugby, we were in a pub this morning watching a World Cup final. Let's have a listen to some of the audio. Griffin pub here in Swansea for the Rugby World Cup final Uh, the air conditioning is at full blast which I'm not sure is quite required in uh, Swansea on a Saturday morning and we are outnumbered as I think myself and Alan are probably just about cheering on England about 98 to 2 because it's full of South Africans we've just had the South African anthem Uh, how many any many South African fans here it'll be a hundred Oh, easy. Could be 150. This place is, every table is taken. We were lucky to get a table. So this place is um, relatively full. I think there's a couple of England fans who snuck into a, 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 a nook over there on the, on the right-hand side. And there might be one or two down the back, but this is a South African pub today. Yeah, they're in the, they're in the English snug at the back. Anyway, we'll be back 20 minutes to tell you what's happening. Right, 20 minutes gone here in the Griffin in Swansea. It's South Africa 3, England 0. Feels like we've been playing for about an hour. Bad injury to Kyle Sinclair, which slowed everything down. Alan England just starting to come to terms with this game. 
Yeah, they've been very nervous. A lot of drop passes, a lot of drop balls. Um, South Africa really hitting them very, very hard. And the scrum, the South African scrum, is absolutely dominating. So this is going to go right down to the wire. Great stuff. England have a penalty to make it three each. We'll have more to report at halftime. Time, Alan. South Africa 12, England 6. Probably deserved lead for South Africa. They've dominated large bits of this game, and England have got back into it and then immediately made mistakes. They look under a lot of pressure. They certainly do, and, and of course, South Africa are going to bring that bench off. Five, five pack players to come off the bench to keep that pressure on. It's the scrum that's winning it for them. All their penalties, I think, they've got come from the scrum. England had a chance to score, and they didn't take it and um, score a try. If England could score a try, it'll be close, but one more, one more penalty from South Africa. Game over. Well, 60 minutes gone. South Africa, 18. England, 12. England hanging on here. Andy Farrell's just kicked a penalty. He just missed one a couple of minutes ago. It's, um, it's, this, it it kind of looks like this is South Africa's to lose. It certainly does. They've been in front from the start and England have just been basically hanging on, but I don't know if they're ever going to score a try. They have to score a try. The only way they're going to win this is scoring a try because they won't outkick them. (laughs) South Africa have just scored a try here, we think, but it's going to the TMO. This is the Rugby World Cup final. If this is given, this game is over. South Africa currently leading 23-12, but uh, we have to wait and see what the decision is. Mapimpi with the try. Two years ago, he was playing at the sports ground. Now he's potentially scoring the try that's won the World Cup. What are we looking at? Forward forward pass. That's definitely forward. That second one is definitely forward. Yeah, I think there might be two forward passes in that movement. Need to see a different camera angle. Nothing clear and obvious. Yeah, nothing clear and obvious. Well, there you go. Saturday morning Uh, South Africa just way way too good for England Alan Oh, they were the old saying is forwards win matches backs decide by how much and that's what we saw today the forwards put the early points on the board put pressure on England and then they released the backs late in the game with the two wingers scoring the tries so really impressive from South Africa not quite sure what it says for the future of rugby do we everybody has to stick on 10 kilos now but they are a physical force and England today, having played probably the best game of rugby they've ever played last Saturday, just couldn't get back to that level. And that shows just how difficult at the top level of sport it is. It is, because like South Africa weren't stretched against Wales. They played a really, really tight game against Wales. They didn't make that many tackles, they didn't hit that many rucks, they just kicked the ladder off the ball. 
Ballista tried to play some rugby today, but I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm worried about what, it, what it's going to do to the size of players again, that we're going to get these huge players. Yeah, the Griffin pub on a Saturday morning. Um, first of all, it was full of mostly South African fans, I'd have to say, uh, all decked out, decked out in their green jerseys. There were a few England fans there. There were a few Welsh fans there who um, didn't seem really quite sure who to support. Um, it was very interesting. The It was a little bit pressurised. I think the staff got a bit of a shock that so many people had turned up at about half eight on a Saturday morning. Uh, so much so that having ordered my full English breakfast uh, and something a bit poncy and, uh, for, for Alan, uh, they put it all on the one plate. So I just ate it. And Alan didn't get any food at all. They had a couple of cups of coffee. It was good fun. There was a really good atmosphere and there was a good buzz. I thought it was a really interesting game of rugby. Um... Look, I'm not, I'm not going to change my opinion. I wanted Wales. <laughs> I want, yeah, so did everybody in Wales. I wanted England to win this. I felt I'd like to have seen a Northern Hemisphere team yeah. win the World Cup mm-hmm. because we, we get a lot of stick in the Southern Hemisphere and we're all merged together. It's just the Northern Hemisphere are this and they do this and they do that and Six Nations does this and, you know, uh, Steve Hansen couldn't resist having another dig at it yesterday even though he was very successful and very well paid when he was Welsh coach. Um, but the thing is, South Africa were just too good. They were too big, they were too physical. And the two try scorers, Mbappe, Mapimpi and Chelsea. Chelsea Colby plays for Toulouse. Let's hope we see him in the sports ground. Well, absolutely. But you've got to remember, uh, Mbappe and Mapimpi was playing two years ago, this month, for the Cheetahs. Uh, and now he's winning a World Cup. So the point is, world-class rugby players come to the sports ground. It's not all about Connacht. There's an opportunity to come and see there. Young Tom Curry today was huge for England. We saw him last season for sale three times. We also saw Faf de Klerk for sale. Mm. And he came out on top today. Mm. Uh, so there's a real opportunity there in Europe and around other competitions to see players. And it must be some move no offence to the Cheetahs, to be the first try scorer for South Africa. It was important they didn't just win with penalty goals. They've become the first team ever to lose a group game in a World Cup and go on and win it. And they're also the first time that the Southern Hemisphere Championship has been won in the same year by the uh, winners of the World Cup. So it's been an interesting tournament. Uh, Ireland's story is still rumbling. There's probably a lot more to be heard about that. I see today that uh, every player coach and backroom staff are going to be interviewed by the IRFU or their representatives as part of the, um, uh, how would you call it, the review. And that, I suspect, uh, might be, well, we won't see the review, but it would be fascinating to read because I think there is a story there and a feeling, if you look at what South Africa did today, as Alan pointed out to me this morning we were watching it, that's what Ireland really tried to play. Now, and unfortunately, South Africa have taken it on to the next level. Ireland will just have to go back and get ready for 2023. But it's been a great tournament in Japan. The attendances, the crowd, the excitement. Some of the rugby maybe has been a little bit overshadowed by the conditions. I think playing rugby in that sort of heat and humidity. But it's been a great tournament. And um, now we can start to focus exclusively again on Pro 14 and Europe until the Six Nations comes along. We certainly can. So, let's leave it there. It's been a long day. We still have a long drive back to Bristol. And um, we'll talk... Actually, next week, the midweek's going to be a bit different because we've got a European launch. Is the European launch that's next week and you're back over in Wales again? 
Yep, Cardiff for the European launch on uh, Wednesday, uh, which is an opportunity to meet up with... Um, unfortunately, the French teams aren't going to be there, but we'll have a see if we can have a chat with Leinster about the forthcoming match on Friday. We'll have a chat with Gloucester. I might even go and have a chat with uh, Steve Diamond from Sale and see who was he cheering for on Saturday. Uh, I suspect I know the answer to that. Indeed, indeed. So our midweek one might be slightly different this week because that, with that happening, obviously on Wednesday, we might be able to get it out on time. But we'll do our best to try and get our midweek podcast out on Wednesday. And then we're back again next week for the huge Interpro, first Interpro of the season against Leinster. Bye, folks. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes. Side.